Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the force be with you. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately lead yourself because when you get selfish, you get stuff or you want stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you want stuff and you get stuff, then you get are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting and difficult to achieve. The great challenge must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. <laughs> Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Star Wars fans and MOOF milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 194 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And if you can believe it, it is month number 11 of Phantom Menace year. Phantom Menace year. I don't believe it. I don't believe the year's almost over, and I can't believe we've done ten Phantom Menace episodes already. Eleven, yeah. This this is the eleventh Phantom Menace year episode. The eleventh Phantom Menace episode we've done. We we were so young when we started, <laughs> so naive, <laughs> full of dreams and hopes and wonder, and now we're just old and tired. Why it's 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 a fun where I'm always like can I still remember all the ten previous Phantom Menace year episodes yeah without going on like your podcast thing to look at if you can try and remember all of them yeah I don't think I can do it I would give myself a prize if I could but I always miss one I have to look it up it's it's surreal it's crazy that we're coming to the end of Phantom Menace year but. There's crazy stuff going on. Star Wars. There's there was a Mandalorian trailer. There's super battle droids wandering around in the back of the Mandalorian thing. <laughs> yeah, droid dropships. <sighs> I don't even. That's, I don't even want to talk about it. I can't handle it. 
Game of Thrones goofballs are gone. That's done. That's off the table. That's not happening anymore. They're they're busy. We're busy. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Everybody's busy. Every, you know, it's the holidays. It's like, I, I don't know if I can do it, man. Yeah. And, you know, they, they don't have time for Star Wars. It's cool. I, I don't even know when I'm going to be able to go to the grocery store. That's, that's why they serve food at the movie theater. Good. Good point. With all that stuff going on, we can't talk about any of it. Because like we said, it is Phantom Menace year. This is month 11 of Phantom Menace year. We'd be here talking nonstop. But we've got we got to talk about the Force in Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace introduced a lot of new stuff, a lot of new places, people, things, vehicles, and the Force was no exception. So, yeah, we're going to go deep into the to the Force and figure out what did Phantom Menace bring to the Force table. Yeah, I feel like every single month of Phantom Menace year, it's been a theme in Phantom Menace year of what new ground that movie broke. Like, from behind the scenes to on the screen, over and over and over again, just what was new, what was introduced to Star Wars that is still in Star Wars and all comes from Phantom Menace and... It makes you look back on the days when we only had the original trilogy, and it's like, man, what even was the Force back then? Like, (laughs) may the Force be with you, and that's all we had. Yeah, it's like maybe you know, maybe the the luminous beings, you know, dark side is quicker, easier, more seductive. Okay, that's cool. That was something I loved about Phantom Menace, though, where especially with the Force stuff, they gave us so much. Like, the first time you saw it in May of 99, you're like, wait, what's anybody even talking about? Well, yeah, because it was like in in true crazy Lucas Star Wars fashion, right at the beginning of the movie, they just start talking about stuff you've never heard of and not explaining what it is. And they never explain what it is, I don't think, throughout all three prequels even, right? When Qui-Gon just starts, just throws out the living force. No, you you had you had to make it up on your own. You were getting given nothing. Lucas was not holding your hand, helping you through anything. Maybe you had to wait until Clone Wars until you kind of got a little bit of an explanation on that. Yeah, you had to wait nine years <laughs> to get it, or more than that, because it was a later season. So yeah, the living they just right right out right out the gate. The living force. What does that even mean? I think he said force. Why is it alive? What's it doing? Like when I was going to see Phantom Menace so much during that summer, that's part of the reason because it was like you you could watch that movie so many times and all that force stuff. Like, what is going on here? Like all the stuff we're going to get into in this episode. It's just like crazy madness that, like we said, started in that movie and is still going on today in 2019 with. Episode nine on the horizon, the the things people keep bringing up. Oh, is it going to do this? Is it going to do that? These, there were all concepts that were introduced in Phantom Menace, which is as we go to episode the beginning of the saga to the end of the saga. Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. Lucas was literally taking us to school. Oh, you want a new Star Wars movie? You're not ready for a new Star Wars movie. Everybody, get out your pencils and your paper and start taking some notes, everybody. Classes in session, ringing the bell, bing, bing. 
Well, it was like the whole everything was bigger and louder and more intense and more extremely. And the mythology part was kind of bigger and more in your face with prophecies and new force words and in a way explaining stuff that was not explained in the original trilogy. But also, it you know, people get hung up on thinking it was overly explained, but really it was just maybe refined more than really explained because everything's still kind of ambiguous what it actually means and does. There's just some new terms thrown out there. And those new terms have (laughs) ruined everyone's brain for the past 20 years. As an overall thing with all the new stuff that was in Phantom Menace, in the, the 1999 making of Phantom Menace book, Lucas kind of lays it all down and all the stuff we're going to talk about in this episode, he kind of maps it all out. And we're going to, I feel like this is something we'll go back to over and over again, what he says in this book. So in 1999, he's saying the midichlorians have brought Anakin into being as the quote chosen one who will bring balance to the force. But at this point, we don't know what side of the force, good or bad, needs to be balanced. The overriding philosophy of all of Star Wars is the balance between good and evil. The force itself breaks into two sides. The living force makes you sensitive to other living things, makes you intuitive, and allows you to read other people's minds, etc. But the greater cosmic force has to do with destiny. In working with the force, you can find destiny and you can choose to either follow it or not so there he is kind of breaking down all the new stuff he was introducing in the movie but even that was like that's heavy stuff there in 99 yeah people weren't ready for that still not ready (laughs) we're still trying to wrap our heads around lifting rocks i have a bad feeling about this i don't sense anything it's not about the mission master it's something elsewhere elusive Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. If you can take yourself back to, to 1999, what was your interpretation of the living force and kind of Qui Gon's whole teaching thing in general after you saw the movie? After wrapping my head around it a few times, I mean, really, all you had to go on was kind of the context that he used it and him talking about focusing on the here and now and not listening to Yoda and looking to the future and basically thinking of the living force as actually, I guess it all kind of ties into everything Qui-Gon says in the movie about being mindful and present and kind of focusing on what's going on around you and not like Luke, just worrying about the future and that listening to the living force is like basically like every day, what does the force tell you to do and not really not focusing on prophecies and things that potentially the movie's bringing up later, that those are not what the living force cares about. And that's kind of how Qui-Gon ends up with Jar Jar and things. He just kind of feels it out and he kind of goes with the flow, I guess is a way to put it. It's like we were saying earlier that it's things that, like that, that were introduced in maybe like, let's say Empire, where Yoda saying to Luke, like, never his mind on where he was, what he was doing. Like, almost Yoda in that moment is saying Luke wasn't 
thinking about the living force, which is still a problem Luke had in The Last Jedi, too. Luke was concerned with the greater things and not thinking of the moment. Well, and it's a neat thing for the first line, almost first lines in Phantom Menace to basically are right there paint a contrast with Yoda, too, that Yoda's the one talking about being mindful of the future, which is very different than the Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back, who's basically scolding Luke for always focusing on the future and not focusing on the here and now. And like, it's kind of crazy thinking back that in just that first minute, we kind of get that hint of this prequel Yoda being not the Yoda we're used to in Empire. Yeah, which is something that I feel like was completely lost on the majority of the audience because you're like, oh my, it's, oh, look at this, it's Jedi. And they just said Yoda. Right. Yeah. It's no secret of our, our love of Qui Gon, but it's almost like that's still what made Qui Gon so cool. He was a student of the living force. Well, and it's almost, you know, going back to that movie, we don't get an explanation of the living force in words, but really, if you watch. Qui-Gon, the character, he is the definition of the living force. And it's kind of, we get this word at the beginning and, well, what does it mean? Well, what does Qui-Gon do in the movie? What happens with Qui-Gon? He's kind of the the visual example of what the living force is. And maybe the contrast with that, the cosmic force is potentially getting into the prophecy and that aspect of wondering about the force. But like, what is the living force? What does it look like? It's Pretty much it's Qui-Gon Jinn, and throughout the movie, you see what the living force means by his actions and how he finds his way through the story. Remember, concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the force be with you. And even when he's not even specifically talking about the force, just the way when Qui-Gon's kind of leading the way he's always reacting to the moment they get you know they go in to negotiate something happens they react to that they get on Naboo something happens they react to that and he's always he's not necessarily like trying to f- predict what's going to happen he's just reacting to whatever happens in the moment and figuring out again just going with the flow something comes up he reacts to it and he's working his way towards something but it's not like he's he has this big plan or he's trying to meditate to see what the future holds or what he should do. He's just always, it's kind of like, I guess it's Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. He's always on the move <laughs> when, he's, when he's jumping out of the, out of the elevator, right? It's like Qui-Gon is, yeah, he's always in motion. The interesting thing with Qui-Gon and his connection to the living force and him being the living embodiment of the living force for us on screen is then after his death, he is the only one that knows or started to know the secret of eternal life. And he's the one that teaches Yoda and Obi-Wan and eventually everybody this secret of eternal life. Did Qui-Gon go to the, the wellspring of life from the Clone Wars? Did he find the Force priestesses? And the Force priestesses say flat out in Clone Wars that they are the link between the living and the cosmic force. And when Qui-Gon is talking to Yoda on Dagobah, Qui-Gon's laying all that information out with the connection between the living and the cosmic. And Yoda's like watching Phantom Menace. He's just like, yeah, let's go to school. What Teach me. What, what else? What other info you got, Qui-Gon? How are you here? 
I am a manifestation of the Force. A Force that consists of two parts. Living beings generate the living Force, which in turn powers the wellspring that is the cosmic Force. Show yourself. Can you? I cannot. My training was incomplete. All energy from the living Force, from all things that have ever lived, feeds into the cosmic Force, binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians. Because of this, I can speak to you now. See the future. You can. I exist where there is no future or past. Know you who the Sith Lord is. I can only show you a place where the answers will be revealed to you. Well, because it is. It's like... Like we were saying, it was set up right at the beginning of Phantom Menace is the, what we hear about the force and what Yoda and Obi-Wan are teaching Luke in the original trilogy is really more so the teachings they learn from Qui-Gon after he dies more so than the teachings of the old Jedi order or the Jedi council. It's like Qui-Gon's way is the way forward. And that's what ultimately Luke is coming from that history that was passed on from Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan and Yoda, then down to Luke, and then potentially into Ben, Solo, and Rey a little bit, carrying right from Phantom Menace right all the way into the sequel trilogy. Yeah, everything we've heard Luke say, like from voiceovers from Rise of Skywalker, sounds like he's been going to Qui-Gon school. <laughs> well, I was, was just thinking, too, if you almost if you look at Rey in Force Awakens, it's like once she starts listening to the living force is kind of when her journey starts. And she similar, it's like with Qui-Gon, it's like, she's not maybe at the beginning of the movie, she's just, you know, longing for thinking about the future and her family coming back or whatever. But once she's kind of the story gets going, she's just reacting and, and she's listening to the force to react to what's coming up. You know, she gets captured and she's just listening to the force in the moment to know what to do next all the way through the duel. When she closes her eyes and, feels the force there to know what to do. It's very in the moment and not like contemplating the future. It's just. Yeah. It's like Obi-Wan's teachings in a new hope, put the blast shield down and act on instinct. That's how Qui-Gon acted. If we see her start to tap more into more cosmic kind of things, which I think that path was set in the last Jedi and, Sure seems like that's a road that Rise of Skywalker is going to go down. So it's a little bit of Qui-Gon. <laughs> Sprinkle a little Qui-Gon on. Goes a long way. It will be a hard life. One without reward, without remorse, without regret. A path will be placed before you. The choice is yours alone. Do what you think you cannot do. It will be a hard life, but you will find out who you are. Right, let's, let's move on to our next topic, and it's a big one. It's a real, real, real big one. Maybe you've heard of it. It was introduced in The Phantom Menace, midichlorians. Now, there's a little bit of controversy out there on every aspect of midichlorians. <laughs> Some people, I don't know, I don't know if you heard, but some people weren't happy about this. Well, in a movie full of things that people <laughs> weren't happy about, somehow one word only spoken like three times kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. But it seems like 
in reality, most of the the issues people have, I think, are just misunderstanding what it means because it doesn't necessarily mean what people who are upset think it means. The, the popular thing to for people to kind of hang their anger on with midichlorians is the theory that it demystifies the force. Uh, the force is no longer a spiritual thing. It's more scientific and can be calculated with a number and people's force abilities is like the points in a video game or something. Well, it's definitely one of those things that it upset people so much that it's almost like they just don't talk about it because they don't want to upset those people, <laughs> which is why, you know, it was nice to see Clone Wars kind of go all in on that and bring back the mini chlorians discussion in those Yoda episodes. So when Rinsler wrote his making of Star Wars books, there's what? There's a great part when Lucas is laying out kind of information and backstory for eventually will become like books and comics. And he's telling it to Carol Teitelman, who wrote the art of books, worked at Lucasfilm, right? And there's an interesting story with that, right? If you have the making of A New Hope, making of Star Wars book, if you have the digital version, there's this extra section. If you have the regular version, unfortunately, it's not in there, which it's it's just too bad because it's a pretty cool section of the book. But basically, there's, yeah, the part of Lucas talking about the Force back in 77. And he's basically talking about the Force is really a way of feeling. It's a way of being with life. It really has nothing to do with weapons. The Force gives you the power to have extrasensory perception and to be able to see things and hear things read minds and levitate things it is said that certain creatures are born with a higher awareness of the force than humans their brains are different they have more midichlorians in their cells which at first glance it's like wow lucas was talking about midichlorians in the 70s but technically uh there was an article on this in I believe on starwars.com. Yeah, it's and it's it's still up on the site if you can believe it. It's from 2013. Um but Rinsler makes note in that article, basically he says, "Please note while we were preparing the text for the making of Star Wars, Lucas added a note to this passage about midichlorians, bringing his original words in line with his later thoughts and the events of the prequel trilogy." So it sounds like you know, in 77, he wasn't using the word midichlorians, but he had some term or some description that was similar to what he ultimately turned into midichlorians and made part of the Phantom Menace. So that idea of, I mean, it's even in the sense for the idea of certain creatures having a higher awareness of the force and certain people having a higher awareness of the force, I guess the idea of it being, which they talk about it in in the original movies, how it, it's... It's strong in families. It's passed down to children. I mean, it's it's always been genetic. It's just, for whatever reason, he decided in Phantom Menace to make that part of the story. And kind of maybe it's to show that the Jedi Order at that point was treating the Force more like a scientific thing. And maybe they lost a little of the treating it like a religion or a, a mystical thing. And maybe that's part of their downfall is that they weren't appreciating the force enough and maybe the jedi council was you know looking at people's stats by having that in the movie is kind of showing that you know the force is more important than just being somebody's 
stats and what you're if you're born with a high median chlorine count versus a low one that doesn't mean that you can't overcome that and it's like it's it the whole issue with midichlorians of like you're saying like hereditary strength versus the more mystical or more random way of people being born with extra force abilities or very strong in the force you see that still going like in the sequel trilogy, like I think of Snoke saying to Kylo Ren, his disappointment with him in the beginning of Last Jedi, when like, well, you've got that mighty Skywalker blood. How can you be such a screw up? You know, you were beaten by a girl that never held a lightsaber. How did you do that? You've got Skywalker blood and never even thinking that Ray, who does not have Skywalker blood, as far as we know, of course, but you know, perhaps she is more powerful than Kylo Ren. And like the shock of that, how can this even be? You're a Skywalker, but it's, it's the whole back and forth of the hereditary nature of the power of the force versus the randomness of it. Like what's Kylo Ren's Ben Solo's midichlorian count? Who knows? You know, what's Ray's? Who knows? But, well, even in that uh, paragraph back from the book, it ends with Lucas saying, the force is always there. However, anyone who studied and worked hard could learn it, but you would have to do it on your own. So even, you know, always from the beginning, it was never that if you aren't born with it, you don't have it. It's just like any talent or gift. Some people are better at things than other people. And if you want to be good and you're not naturally as good at it, you just have to work harder. But it doesn't mean that you can't become as good as somebody who's just has an easier time with it. You know, and that makes me think of something even like Chirrut kind of exploring that idea. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Chirrut was not a Jedi, but he could tap into the force. Let them pass in peace. The force is with me and I am with the force and I fear nothing for all this as the force wills it. Hey, stop right there. He's blind. Is he deaf? I said stop right there. So overall, midichlorians, are they a big deal? I never thought so. In a bad way, I didn't think they were a big deal. I thought there was an I thought it was an interesting twist on what we'd known about the force and kind of made sense that there's this order of people that their entire existence is based around finding people with the force. Like, why wouldn't they figure out some sort of way to measure it and it's cool in a way because it kind of gives you a window into just the wacky mind of lucas too that he's like he's thinking about star wars and and the force on a cellular level and that you know in your blood there's cells and they're like single cells little microscopic things and they have the force too like they can sense the force and it's just kind of showing the idea that everything no matter how big size size matters not right your cells have the force in them too which is a very kind of out there thing but you can tell it's something that you know lucas has a cup of coffee sitting on the porch just thinking about your cells and how they talk to the force (laughs) so i mean how can you how can you be mad at that (laughs) that's why you can't give it up i'm still thinking thinking of the weird stuff all day every day it's my curse. <laughs> Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midi-chlorians. I've been wondering. 
Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside your cells, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the Midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. The time and training, Annie. You will. You will. Talking about midichlorians and midichlorian counts brings us to our next new concept that was introduced in The Phantom Menace, the prophecy of the Chosen One. So the more I've been thinking about the whole prophecy thing, it's it's interesting to me because I get the whole, there's a there's a, there's the argument that, you know, it, the story didn't need it or it makes it, you know, Anakin invader story to something. But it kind of it fits in with the kind of whole thing of the prequels being a little more kind of pushing the, the big mythology type thing more in your face. And also it's the whole idea with the prequels of we know it's going to happen in the end. So we're like filling in backstory but at the same time filling in backstory in a way that kind of changes your perception of the of the three films you've already seen absolutely right and as soon as it's like wait there's this prophecy you know how it ends but you then at that point you don't really know how it ends because you don't know did he did anakin balance the force and like yoda says in revenge of the sith they think he's gonna wipe out the sith but he has to wipe out the Jedi first, you know, it just, it's not how it, this isn't going to go how you think. Right. It's what is that? That's what Luke says in rebels. It threw us for a loop in, in that episode of rebels. What was it? Twin sons where at the end and it, Star Wars fandom went absolutely bonkers, jumped out a window, every single, everybody after Obi-Wan Kenobi kills Darth Maul, they both believe that Luke Skywalker is the chosen one. Where then everybody was just like, oh my God, is Luke Skywalker the chosen one? I thought it was Anakin. You know, George Lucas said it was Anakin. Tell me, is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. But the way I always look at it, and the kind of the cool thing, and it's like all of this, it's like, if you want to believe... The Chosen One is Anakin, was always Anakin. What Qui-Gon believed when he brought him before the Jedi Council of this ancient Jedi prophecy, maybe it was Anakin. If you want to believe that actually Luke is the Chosen One, then maybe it is Luke. Or maybe it's both of them. Maybe it it's not, you know, even though it says the, the Chosen One... Is Ray the chosen one also because she is all part of all this? Is Ben Solo the chosen one because he's part of all this too? Well, there's also no reason that Anakin, as the chosen one, couldn't bring balance to the Force by marrying Padme, having children, who then have children, who's Ben Solo, who, by being Ben Solo, brings Ray into the story and if in the end ultimately ray and kylo in some form defeat the ultimate evil it all still goes back to 
little Anakin going on his journey with Qui-Gon and maybe that's how the chosen one, he doesn't have to physically kill someone. He just has to fall in love and have kids and that ultimately everything works out, right? It's like maybe we're misreading the prophecy and by being the chosen one doesn't necessarily mean you're the one that brings balance by your own, you know, by killing someone that his actions ultimately lead to balance. And that would be a very Star Wars thing to say that balance isn't caused from a violent act of someone dying. Balance is caused by love and compassion. That just seems Star Wars. <laughs> right. And yeah, and Luke or Vader throwing Palpatine over the edge wasn't bringing balance, but keeping his son alive to pass on the mighty Skywalker blood ultimately brings balance. And well, and, and Leia, who's the one that actually passes on, sorry, that actually passes on the mighty Skywalker blood. Well, and even in that, uh, what in that, that make 1977 making of Lucas is talking about Leia and the force, like back in 77, right? Yeah. He's basically saying if Leia wanted to have a, a lightsaber, she could, but she prefers blasters. That's what he said. <laughs> but it, I, well, a crazy thing. I mean, thinking about episode nine in this too, is it's almost like, in a way, you could say Luke and Leia were a balance to the Force with between the two of them. You know, he became a Jedi, Leia did not, but having twins, is that having balance? It's two kids. They're not necessarily light, light and dark, but you could interpret it that way. It's the whole, everything in Star Wars is in twos. Yeah. <laughs> Slaps you in the face two times <laughs> after, after you watch it. You need to take at least a two-hour nap. Well, and, you know, there was the quote, recently in Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice book where, you know, they're talking about prophecies and there was a prophecy, he who learns to conquer death will through his greatest student live again. You know, just kind of throwing out the, you know, the prophecy of the chosen one and there's other prophecies and well, who is that about? He who learns to conquer death will through his greatest student live again. Is that Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Anakin? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Snoke. Seal Bibble? I don't know. <laughs> but even going back to the whole living force thing and Yoda in the beginning, like when Qui-Gon brings Anakin before the Jedi Council and Qui-Gon is adamant, he is the chosen one. They just don't even want to hear about it. And all these things that are seemingly really big deals for the Jedi they're just not that interested in the prophecies, you know, they're in so much of like the, the, the books and stuff that have come out recently, the Dooku Jedi lost, which I finally got around to listening to. Like you get the sense that like the, the Jedi of that time, the pre Phantom Menace Jedi, they're, they're not interested in the past, which is an interesting, we, you know, we, you, we keep bringing up the, the sequel trilogy stuff, but you, you almost have to now that we're coming towards the end and, you know, in, in our opinion, the sequel films have done such a great job of just like the prequels did. Like you were saying, changing the way you look at the original trilogy. Well, the sequels, at least the first two, have done such an awesome job of changing the way you look at not only the original trilogy, but the prequels. Because now you have Kylo Ren saying, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. And it's almost similar to the the old Jedi way, like... We're not, we don't care about the prophecies. We don't care about the past. 
Well, it's the whole thing. And maybe, you know, that's why people had a hard time when the film came out. It's like everyone's like, oh, cool. It's the Jedi Order. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be awesome. And they're kind of not. They're like stubborn old dudes. And they're like, you know, with Anakin, they spend most of their time meditating on the future. And his future wasn't clear. So they weren't, they didn't want to take a chance on anything that they couldn't already see what was going to happen. Which, again, is very different to what Yoda is telling Luke in Empire Strikes Back and later on. It was almost maybe not the easy answer, but the they didn't want to do anything if they knew unless they knew what was going to happen. The prophecy was something that they couldn't see what was going to happen, so they didn't want to have anything to do with it. People need to pay more attention to these movies. It's all there. It's all there. Drink a cup of coffee next time. <laughs> Slap yourself twice. Drink two cups of coffee. Everything happens in twos. I've encountered a virgins in the force. A virgins, you say? Located around a person? A boy. The cells have the highest concentration of midichlorians I have seen in a life form. It is possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? I don't presume to. But you do. Revealed, your opinion is. I request the boy be tested, Master. Oh. Trained as a Jedi, you request for him, hmm? Finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt of that. Okay, so we, we've danced around the subject before, but the final big thing introduced new in The Phantom Menace with the Force that's got people talking nonstop, the balance of the force we first hear it when mace windu says you refer to the one who will bring bounce to the force you believe it's this boy we heard it in the teaser trailer so early on no one knew what the heck that meant no one still knows what the heck it means it means everybody has a theory literally everybody babies are born they're a day old and they have a theory on what the balance of the force means dogs and cats have theories on what the balance of the force means it's like we were saying did anakin do it is it yet to come who knows what do you think i don't know i would hope if we're nine movies in and that they're going to end it that it's going to end with balance. <laughs> it's my hope. And it seems like we're heading in that direction because we kind of felt like things ended in balance at the end of Return of the Jedi. But maybe because of the fact we thought maybe that Luke, the balance was in Luke. But maybe because it's Star Wars and things are in twos, you have to have a master and an apprentice or a two Sith or two twins or two sons that maybe we need the light and dark represented by two people. But I mean, in all the quotes from Lucas, the balance is always between good and evil and you can't have one without the other. It's the whole core of many religions all through time of, you know, you have your positive, your negative, your yin, your yang, a God, a devil, you, that you, they, you can't have one without the other and, you want to be good, but you need bad to know what good is. Is the sequel trilogy telling us that the Force wasn't in balance at the end of Jedi? Because good won, and it's cool that good won, but that's not a balance. Are we 
moving towards Ray and Kylo's relationship being the balance that one is good and one is evil, but they both can relate and there's a connection there. And is that ultimately the balance that the universe needs that force needs? I don't know. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I, I agree with 100, 100% what you said. And, and yes, did Anakin bring balance to the force by what we thought throwing the emperor down a pit with a, like a violent act, like we said, and the forgiveness of his son, maybe, but that, like you said, that's good winning. And that, is that true? Is that the end? I don't know. And the, 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 I feel like the writing has been on the wall for the sequel trilogy where right away in The Force Awakens, we have Lor Santeca saying, without the Jedi, there can be no balance. And then in Last Jedi, when Rey is sitting on the rock with Luke, you know, she said the light, the dark, the balance. And even Luke says, powerful light, powerful dark. Luke recognizes that that's the balance. And where is that balance in the end of Return of the Jedi? Well, what's interesting, if you want to look at it that way, and this is, you know, before the sequel movies kind of came and maybe shook things up a little bit, you could almost say that just Anakin himself was the balance because just within himself was the light and the dark. And he was a good person for half of his life. And he was a horrible, evil person for half of his life. And maybe more than anyone, he kind of lived the balance and that, you know, you could say the prophecy was not that he was going to bring balance to the force throughout the universe. He basically just brought balance to the force within himself. Yeah. Anakin was the living yin and yang, but then when he, ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader, did that balance still exist anymore? And there was, you know, there was still the light in him, but it was small. Luke brought it back out. And in the end, that's the whole awesome thing with him showing back up is beautiful young Hayden Christensen. But he's gone. He's a ghost. He's part of the cosmic force at that point. Yeah. Well, and moving forward, you know, 30 years later, what does balance mean now? What does the force need? There's been, you know, no Jedi for other than Luke and some, some Padawans for the last 30 years. Well, and that takes us back to the beginning too. You have that mighty Skywalker blood. And if Palpatine or Snoke or whoever is counting on that as being their ticket to win this whole thing. And once again, the Sith will rule the galaxy. It's hereditary with Ben, Kylo, but it's also random with Ray. You have light, powerful light, and you have powerful dark. And if those come together, then you've got the f- almost the final definition of the balance and what that can mean. And these two characters already have this force bond. They're already connected. Like there already almost is the balance. Like the scene in the elevator where they both see each other's futures clear to them. You know, I, I still like to think they see... In, when they're in the elevator and they're talking about their futures, they're not talking about the throne room they're about to go into with Snoke and the Praetorian guards. They're, they're seeing the end. They're seeing the end of Rise of Skywalker. We don't know what that is yet, but we will very soon. And I don't know. You don't have to do this. I feel the conflict in you. It's tearing you apart. Ben, when we touched hands, I saw your future. Just the shape of it, but solid and clear. You will not bow before Snoke. 
He'll turn. I'll help you. I saw it. I saw something too. Because of what I saw, I know when the moment comes, you'll be the one to turn. You'll stand with me. Right? I saw who your parents are. Well, it's great too. And if you think about it in, in Last Jedi, in that elevator scene, it's like, we're seeing it kind of from Ray's perspective where she still sees the good in Kylo, but it's like Kylo still, Kylo sees the dark side in her. So it's like, they're both seeing each other equally. They're just each focusing on the, the repressed part of their personality at that point. And he knows that she has a dark side and he sees it and she knows he has a good side and she sees it, which, yeah, that's, that's balance. If I've ever seen it, <laughs> there's, well, and it, you know, and it sounds like we're talking a lot about the sequel trilogy and Rise of Skywalker, where it's like we always—it's it, hard not to. But it's that's that's the whole thing with this that all of these concepts were new in the Phantom Menace. All of this, all of this crazy new ideas and these things that are now so essential to the story of Star Wars all came from Episode One. In 1999. And like we said, it blew our minds back there in 99. And we still don't know how to grasp these crazy new ideas. But it's always funny when people say like the sequel trilogy, they they don't have a plan. They don't even know what they're doing. It's like, (laughs) go have two more cups of coffee (laughs) and watch them again. Well, yeah, because it's it's fascinating in a way that and even as much as, you know, people like to complain about the prequels. The prequels came out, they added this stuff, and this stuff was absorbed into the universe and changed the way you think about the original trilogy to the point that now the sequels to the original trilogy are reacting to ideas that didn't exist until the prequels existed to kind of change the way you thought about the original trilogy. It's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. (laughs) So, yeah, Phantom Menace. It's still, it's still good. And for some weird reason, if you're listening to month 11 of our Phantom Menace year series, <laughs> go back and watch Phantom Menace again. Think of these things. Think of what we've seen in the, the, the trailers for The Rise of Skywalker. And think about balance. Like, and let us know, what, what, what's your take on all these ideas? Do you think midichlorians are a big deal? Yes, no? Ch- chosen one? Balance of the Force? What's been your theory? I don't know. I always like hearing this stuff. Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. What do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. And between it all, balance and energy. A force. And inside you, Inside me, that same force. 
experience the spectacle. Feel the excitement. Share the fun. Take the journey. All over again. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Rated PG. Okay, so we got a voice message from a listener. Florian sent us a voicemail all the way from Germany. He's got a question a lot of people have been wondering. Let's check out what Florian had to say. Hello, my name is Florian. And lately I've been hearing lots of people talk about the planet that they saw in the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. And they think it could be Endor and that the parts from the Death Star landed on Endor. But I think they actually mean the forest moon of Endor from episode 6. But what if it's actually Endor, like in the planet Endor? And this time we're not on the moon. Maybe we see the moon from the surface, but this time we're actually on Endor, the planet itself. That's why it looks different with the ocean and everything. And I think it would make sense since the planet would have more gravity and it would pull the the parts from the Death Star towards itself. So, yeah, it would be a nice twist. The movie ends or takes place um close to where episode 6 took place, but this time it's actually on the planet itself and not on the moon. And, yeah, just wanted to share those thoughts with you. I don't have anybody else to share them with, so there you go. And, yeah, have a nice day and greetings from Germany. Oh, man. Oh, thank you, Florian. Gabe, what, what's your thoughts on that? What What do you think? Is... Is that Endor where the Death Star is? We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, I know initially we thought, oh, maybe that's Endor. And then we thought, well, no, wait, it would be the moon. Because I think, haven't they said that Endor, the planet, is like a gas planet? So you couldn't actually land on Endor. Gas planets have lots of moons. Like Jupiter has tons of moons. Saturn has tons of moons. So maybe it's another moon. But yeah, as just this week, last week few days ago, it's now been officially confirmed at least what that planet is because Star Tours is going to be going there. And it is the ocean moon of Kef Burr. But that doesn't really answer because is it a moon, another moon of Endor? Is it the ocean moon of Endor as opposed to the forest moon of Endor? Is it another planet altogether? I guess... As with everything with Rise of Skywalker, the more they tell us and the more we know, the more confused and less we seem to know is. But it seems like it would have to be pretty close to Endor. You would think if the chunk that big, the Death Star, I mean, Palpatine's chair is still there. A lot of it is still in, you know, it's still still around. They built that thing real, real good, so... Yeah, I mean, Kef Burr could be the name of a moon of Endor. We just don't know. We don't know. We don't know. There could be a Gorax on Kef Burr. <laughs> there could be witches. There could be, maybe, hey, maybe that's where Teak is from. Because it still doesn't make any sense what the heck Teak is. Yes. Because Teak is not an Ewok, but he is living on Endor, and no one seems to have a problem with Teak. So maybe Teak. Teak is a native of Kef Burr. And he can run so fast he can jump from one moon to the other. I think we figured it all out. <laughs> it always goes back to Teak. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it always goes back to Phantom Menace and Teak. But yeah, thank you, Florian, for sending that in. Uh, we're glad to hear that you're thinking about Star Wars and Rise of Skywalker all day. And yeah, we like to hear from you. Thank you so much. presents the greatest adventure. There's no escape for you, my little one. Ewoks, the battle for Endor. Parental discretion is suggested. Okay, so it's that time of the month when we say a huge thank you to all the members of the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. Appreciate your supporting the show so, so, so much. Who's in our first group to say thank you to? All right. We want to say thank you to Ian, Robert, Nathan, Matthew, Darren, Brittany, Christina, Eliza, Andrew, Robert, Mitchell, Adam, Matthew, Drew, Elliot, Colleen, Andy, and Rick. And a huge thank you to I Rebel, Kathy G, Kevin, Jesse, Timothy, Doug, Kara, Susanna, Francisco, Tim, Chris, Patrick, Lawrence, Andrew, Joseph, Kevin, and Sam. Robbie, David, Ryan, Dustin, Kathy, Kit, Stephen, Allison, Anuj, Ash, Connie, Jay, Josh, Jeremy, and Ryan. And thank you to Adam, Brian, Patrick, Angelo, David, Joe, John, Steve, Marie, Jay, Jason, Tracy, Dave, Terrence, Mario, Stephanie, and Jonathan. And thanks to Matthew, Rodney, Amy, Craig, Steve, Brandon, Marissa, Neil, Michelle, Olivia, Kevin, Sean, Brandon, Richard, Tom, Ian, Aiden, Christian, Edward, Sagacious, Crum, Chris, Angel, Hammy, Candace, Matthew, Jen, Jesse, Jake, Emily, Amber, Sinatra, Jackson, Michael, and Paul. And thanks to Carrie, Justin, Jordan, Mike, Rob, Jonathan, Khadija, John, Katie, Amy, Drac, Amy, Matt, Jeff, John, Eric, and Todd. Woo! Wow. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much. Your support absolutely means the world to us. You're all the greatest. I hope you're enjoying all the bonus content. We love making it. November is going to get crazy. A whole lot of Mandalorian over on the Patreon, so... Patreon is going to be, yeah, Mandalorian madness. We're going to be bounty hunting every weekend on Patreon. <laughs> it's a dangerous profession, wouldn't you agree? We're going to be so tired. We're just going to be talking in Werner Herzog voices nonstop. All right. Patreon for Mandalorian episode five is a dangerous episode, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> oh, thank you all. Thank, thank you. you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these 
Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. deal is you know the story you know the score apple podcast reviews when you're done listening go over there say something nice say we need to tone it down say whatever you want (laughs) we'll try and read it on an upcoming show and don't forget to check out blastpointspodcast.com where you can search for back episodes check us out on twitter instagram facebook and if you're on facebook Make sure you join the chill group so you can talk about Rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian until you need to hit yourself in the face twice with a slap and a bucket of ice. Well, okay. So here's a heads up for next week. If you can believe it, the Mandalorian is next week's episode. The first week, the first episode of Mandalorian. So the episode of Mandalorian comes out on Tuesday and we're not going to be able to get that episode up on Tuesday. <laughs> it's gonna, that's going to be a rough day. It's going to be some crazy stuff going on. Probably Thursday is when uh, that episode is going to come out. So the Thursday after the first episode of Mandalorian, you can get our whole Mandalorian reaction episode. Um, it's not a new episode on Tuesday. Just be patient. Wait with us. And Thursday, we'll have it out for you. I'm sure everyone will be busy on Tuesday watching The Mandalorian over and over and over again to get their uh, $8 worth or whatever from Disney Plus that day. So <laughs> give you a couple of days to let it sink in before our episode comes out on Thursday. So I I, don't know, I can't believe we're this close. It's crazy. So close. Well, and you know, for Patreon members, that Saturday that will probably be... <laughs> <laughs> the first Patreon Mandalorian episode because there's going to be two episodes that first week. So tell your family you love them. Take your vitamins. Say your prayers. Take a nap. Go for a run. Whatever you got to do. Eat some salads. Practice meditation. Do some Tai Chi in the grass outside. Do whatever. Do whatever you got to do. See how long you can hold your breath. Whatever it takes. All right. Well, as far as episode 194... Four stuff, Phantom Menace. That about wraps it up. There's only one more Phantom Menace year episode in 2019. And I don't know. We just had to say goodbye to Snoketoberfest. We're going to be saying goodbye to the Skywalker saga. And we're going to be saying goodbye to Phantom Menace year. <laughs> but, you know, no one's ever really gone, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
Well, the conflict between good and evil is the basic conflict. The universal question is, am I a good person? That there is good in the world and that there's kindness in the world. Life is not a constant. So you're not just going downhill or you're not just going uphill. You know, conceptually, when you get into the forest and you get into the living forest and the uber forest, which is basically well, however you want to call it, heaven or born again or however you want to, you know, in terms of karma, that there is a continuum. May the force be with all of you.